Welcome back to episode number 165 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're asking the question, is blood meal a combustible dust? So I mentioned this a couple times this year, but we have really two systems for dust safety science when a question or a comment comes in. One is to send it through to the Dust Safety Help Desk. This up until this year has really been an informal system where we put together resources, do independent research, reach out to industry experts to address the questions that come in. We have over 200 questions logged in the help desk to date, and we're still getting new ones every week. And then the second path, the second option is to send people through to Dust Safety Professionals. This is at dustsafetyprofessionals.com. This is where we can connect you with a service provider, equipment provider to address those needs. So if you need a hazard analysis, you need testing, you need engineering design or a specific piece of equipment facility, or you just have a question, you're just not what, sure what to do about your combustible dust safety program, we can connect you with professionals no matter where in the world you're at. They'll be able to help you with that challenge. So again, that's at dustsafetyprofessionals.com, or you just email me directly at chris at dustsafetyscience.com, and I'll flip you through to the help desk or to dust safety professionals, wherever that uh, question should go. So today's podcast, we're going to talk through this question of, is blood meal a combustible dust? So this is a question that came in through the help desk after an explosion incident occurred. The individual is asking the question is really trying to decipher whether or not blood meal could in fact be the fuel that caused this incident. Um, so I'm not going to talk about the details of the actual incident that the person sent the request in on. We're going to go through this question. Well, what is blood meal? We're going to talk about how is it created? Uh, we're going to answer this question. What is, is it a combustible dust? And what are some of the examples of hazards that might arise or some example incidents related to blood meal and other types of meal that we've seen throughout our work at Dust Safety Science and others have seen in relation to combustible dust? So the first question then, well, what is blood meal? So blood meal is a dry powder. Um, this is usually a byproduct of meat processing or slaughterhouses or places where they're processing animals and meat. The blood that comes out of that process can be actually dried and turned into a dry powder meal. So, you know, dried and grinded down to a fine powder. Why would you want to have blood meal? Well, it's a very high source of nitrogen. It's also a very high source of protein. So it's very commonly used in fertilizers um, and also very commonly used for for feedstock and and for cattle and other livestock as something that's put into their feedstock to increase their their protein intake um, and the nitrogen contents used for fertilizers. So there's lots of other type of meals. You can have bone meal, fish meal, feather meal, just meat meal, basically anything that's a byproduct of some of these meat processing operations or any sort of animal processing operation, um, it can be useful to to grind that byproduct up and to use it for things like fertilizer or feedstock. So the comments that I'm going to make in this episode generally apply to a lot of the different types of meals that you might see. Um, Bone meal, again, I'm not sure about feather meal. I didn't do some background research on that before uh, we're doing it, but um, it's probably going to be a combustible dust as well. Fish meal, certainly. Um, we'll talk a bit about that. So there's a couple parts to this mealing process. There's a grinding process. You're going to have some drying, some grinding, some mixing and blending, some storage, and some transport. So a sort of typical processing line might be a, there's, well, there's two possibilities, I guess. It could be a, a dedicated facility to meal creation um, where it takes the byproducts from, say, surrounding or neighboring companies and does the drying, the grinding, the storage, the mixing to get the right blends of, of nitrogen or phosphorus or whatever kind of nutrients you're looking for um, and protein, and then storage and transport of that end product after it's created. 
So that's sort of one option. Another option is to actually have this on as an add-on to your existing facility. If you are, you know, have a meat processing plant or something like that, you have a separate area where the meal that's created can actually be turned into a saleable or usable, depending on your, your application product uh, that you can, again, sell or, or use at your facility. So then the question is, is blood meal a combustible dust? The short answer is yes, blood meal is a combustible dust. Um, it's capable of forming explosive mixture when made into a powder and when that powder is dispersed in the air. So we did a, a little bit of independent research here. To answer this question, we also reached out to some testing laboratories to see if they had any data. Um, so I'm just going to mention a couple sources that you have access to that you might be able to, to kind of see this from. So one is Dr. Rolf Eckhoff's book, the late Dr. Rolf Eckhoff, Dust Explosions in the Processing Industries. In the back, there's a, a large table in one of the appendices that just has a lot of different materials and example testing results. And in this table, they do have blood flour, which is blood meal. Um, they have a list that is 85 barometer per second for the specific particle size and moisture content they were testing and over 9.5 bar overpressure. So um, certainly a explosible and combustible dust. And for that given moisture content, a given particle size, those are the parameters that came up with that were recorded in that book. If you go to the Justice DustX database, it's a stob.ifa.dgov.de. It's a German site. I think if you just type in G-E-S-T-I-S and then dust, um, you'll probably find it. Otherwise, we'll have a link in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 165 for this episode. Um, and any of the other links that I mentioned in this episode, you can go to that webpage there, which will give you the show notes as well. Um, that's dustsafetyscience.com slash 165. So if you go to the Justice database, the Justice database, I guess, and um, look for blood meal, there's 10 entries there. I didn't go through all of them, but I clicked on a couple and they had KSTs greater than 100 bar meter per second and MECs, minimum explosible concentrations, I'm ranging in the sort of 30 to 60 gram per meter cubed. So what we typically see for organic dust, um, is certainly capable of, of forming a combustible and explosible mixture when dispersed to the air at a facility. We also found a really interesting Cargill safety data sheet. I'll include the link to this in the show notes as well. It's been online for probably the better part of a, a year or two years now. So if it's uh, still online, you'll be able to see that access that safety data sheet there. I'll read through some of it. And this is for dehydrated bovine blood, they, they have it stated as. They do have it as an OSHA-defined hazard as combustible dust. They do have notes saying it may form combustible dust concentrations in there. Uh, now, I just want to read through some of the notes in the safety data sheet for a couple of reasons. One, they give some good insight into the hazard prevention techniques for this type of material. Two, they actually illustrate some important things on what could be included in safety data sheets for these type of materials moving forward. This is something we'll actually talk about in the in a future podcast episode, how it's really helpful to have combustible dust listed as such on their safety data sheets or on their, their MSDS, their material safety data sheets. Sometimes you may even see explosion parameters on there. It depends on the material. If the materials, I would say explosion parameters probably isn't great to put on a blood meal safety data sheet, but if you had like a powder plastic that you're using in mixing and blending for a paint or something like that, and you know kind of very common particle size, a very common moisture content, then it might be valuable to list the explosion parameters. Now anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through some of the notes that are on this safety data sheet again for this dehydrated bovine blood. Uh, they do say keep away from heats and sparks and open flames, no smoking, keep container tightly closed, ground and bond container and receiving equipment, prevent dust accumulation and minimize the explosion hazard. They also state that dust may form explosion mixture with air, avoid generating dust, 
fine dust dispersion error in sufficient concentrations and the presence of ignition source is a potential dust explosion hazard. They mentioned to use only non-sparking tools, keep unnecessary personnel away, keep people away from the upwind area of a spill or a leak. Dust deposits should not be allowed to accumulate on surfaces as these may form explosive mixture if they're released into the atmosphere in sufficient concentration. Wear appropriate personal protective equipment, ensure adequate ventilation. Local authorities should be advised if significant spillages cannot be contained. Then last, they do say, use with adequate ventilation, eliminate all source of ignition, minimize dust generation and accumulation. Combustible dust clouds may be created where operations produce fine material or a dust. Avoid significant deposits of materials, especially on horizontal surfaces, which may become airborne and form combustible dust clouds and may contribute to secondary explosions. Handling and processing should be conducted in accordance with best practices. For example, NFPA 654, provide adequate ventilation where appropriate protective personal equipment. So it's really nice to see these kind of statements put onto a safety data sheet for something like dehydrated bovine blood or um, blood meal. Because someone is actually using or processing with this type of material is much more likely to at least skim through the safety data sheet than come across this and go, oh, it's a combustible dust. Read through these statements and go, oh, this, this is important to consider then. Um, especially the notes on eliminating the source of ignition, minimizing dust generation accumulation, personal protective equipment, non-sparking tools, instructions on how to do cleanup. These are all really great warning signals or warning information to provide to people that are handling these type of materials or creating them at their facilities. You're not going to be able to put a whole, you know, dust hazard analysis on, on a safety data sheet, but just having some of these things can indicate when hazards might start to arise and then trigger in somebody's mind, okay, well, we need to pay more attention here. We need to do hazard analysis. We need to look into this deeper. So we covered Dr. Rolf Eckhoff's book, Dust Explosion in the Process Industries, the Justice Database, the Cargo Safety Data Sheet. Um, I did reach out to a couple of combustible dust testing labs and did confirm that they have tested and had positive results, both just screening tests and, and full, say, MEC, KST, PMAX testing. That they're sort of in the ranges that they've found materials in the ranges, similar to we mentioned this podcast episode before, um, can be up above 100 barometer per second. Um, and then MEC is as low as sort of tens of grams per meter cubed. So that answers the question then, <laughs> is blood meal combustible dust? The answer is yes. I want to pull a couple of examples of blood and related meal incidents. We did have an explosion at a beef packaging plant, I think in Kansas back in 2019. Um, this was in a standalone building that processed the meal, not the meat packaging building itself. So the facility, sorry, it wasn't a meat packaging, it was a meat processing facility but they did have a separate area or separate building where they processed the blood meal afterwards. And they did have an explosion. I believe they injured some workers in that facility. This also gives a hint to some of the safety precautions though. Having, if you have a place where you're processing powder or combustible dust at a sort of as an auxiliary at your facility, it's good to have that isolated in its own building away from the rest of the facility. So if you do have an incident, it reduces damage, it reduces the chance of knock-on effects and hopefully reduces the chance of, of people being injured as well. So that's one example. Back in episode 69 of the podcast, we covered a case study of a dust explosion in a fish meal factory in Norway in 1975. And this was actually directly from the textbook, Dust Explosions in the Processing Industries. This was an interesting case. One, I think it's directly applicable to blood meal or, or meat or other types of meal as well, um, even though this was a fish meal facility. But I, they, they had a, a hammer... A hammer mill system. I think they had multiple hammer mills. They had silos underneath the hammer mills. 
These silos are actually almost always pretty empty, but they're very large. And what happened here, and this was a 30 meter tall building, so you can imagine how large the silos could have been, the dust built up on the inner walls of these silos so that when they were almost empty and being used in the process, they were sort of like big dust explosion bombs. Like you had a lot of material on the walls of these large silos and then a lot of empty space for that to drop if something and when something happened. So what happened in this particular case is a screw in the screw conveyor or a couple of screws in the screw conveyor broke off. This tramp metal then made its way into the hammer mill, which was not an uncommon occurrence at this facility, so much so that there was a unofficial way to deal with it. And that was for a worker to go and open a chute in the hammer mill and just let that metal work its way out. So the worker went and did that, which was a pretty common thing. Fortunately, in this case, a deflagration happened when the worker opened the chute and went into these large silos that were mostly empty and caused a very large explosion in these silos from the dust that was built up on the walls of the silos. There was fugitive dust throughout the facility as well, up in the rafters. Um, this car caused a large explosion that actually, I think, dislodged the roof or maybe blew off the roof of this 30-meter tall building. So quite a large explosion of fish meal. Um, and there's a couple of things you can kind of learn here. One is if you're storing the material, you really need to be cautious of buildup of the dust around the edges of the storage silo, say in the headspace, or in this case where you have it not being used or at least very low levels in it, then you have a lot of material that can build up on the sidewalls. So that's one thing. Um, fugitive materials in the hammer mill, a better process than having a worker going and opening the chute when the, the metal gets into the hammer mill and letting that work its way out while the system's still running uh, is probably valid to look at. And then fugitive dust was also a challenge in this facility where you had a large explosion. It was probably enough to do quite a bit of damage in the large silos. But then, you know, secondary and tertiary explosions after, after, happened after that throughout the facility. So during the research of this, I also found a really interesting paper called Fire Explosion Hazards of Meat and Bone Meal, Storage, Transport, and Processing. And this is by Stephen J. Manchester from the Fire and Risks, Fire and Risk Sciences Division of the BRE limited group, and it was published in the ICHEM-E Symposium Series, and this is Symposium Series number 149. So, as you find online, we'll include a link in the show notes of this podcast episode so you can get access to the full paper. Um, it's got a lot of interesting things on the transport and storage side. So, they talk about challenges with long-term self-heating for different types of meal, bone meals and blood meal. If you're going to be storing for a long time, you need to be really careful to avoid smoldering. Smoldering can lead to toxic combustion products, also flammable gas atmospheres, and also can, can lead to an ignition source for a combustible dust explosion as well. And they also mentioned in the paper transportation. You really want to make sure that the material is not burning before you're loading and unloading and creating clouds of dust, which often would happen during the unloading and loading stages of transportation. They don't mention, I don't think they mention any specific incidents about this kind of case. We've seen this um, a number of times with say shipping transportation where you're unloading wood pellets or coal briquettes or those sort of things where they're burning. And if you create a cloud during the loading and unloading phase, it actually cause an explosion. So transportation is also going to be a key area for blood meals and fish meals and that sort of thing. They talk about layers of dust on hot surfaces and also just in general, having layers of dust around, not having effective housekeeping programs is going to cause the fuel to be present if and when you, you have a combustible dust incident. So that's it for this question covering this help desk question around is blood meal a combustible dust? This again was a help desk question of somebody that reached out after a potential explosion to understand if blood meal was a possible fuel. 
Uh, we did some independent research and reached out some testing labs and it turns out the yes, blood meal is a combustible dust. Probably could have guessed that. Most things that are organic, um, I think the the quote goes, if it didn't start as a rock, then you know it's a combustible, has a chance to be a combustible dust. Um, in this case, where you're grinding it to a very fine powder and it's an organic material, it certainly um, is capable of exploding when dispersed in air. We saw MECs in sort of the tens of grams per meter cubed, KSTs, some between 50 and 100 bar meter per second, others that were larger than 100 bar meter per second. And you really need to be cautious at most steps of the processing operation here, from drying to grinding to mixing and blending, to storage and transportation of those materials. And we talked through a couple of examples of incidents that we found in the past. So a 2019 incident at a beef packing plant where they were um, mealing the blood in a separate building. We talked about this fish meal factory explosion in Norway that we covered in episode 69 of the podcast um, a number of years ago. We talked about this paper, Fire and Explosion Hazards of Meat and Bone Meal, Storage, Transport, and Processing by Stephen J. Manchester. So we found that interesting. If you have any questions yourself about combustible hazards, something that's really, you know, you just don't know the answer to, can't find the right person to ask, chances are we've either been asked before or we can pretty quickly figure out somebody globally that has had that challenge before and that can kind of give an answer. So I encourage you to email me at chris at dustsafetyscience.com. You can always go to dustsafetyshare.com. That's a, a little form there where you can enter your questions. I mean, also join the Dust Safety Academy. There's a form there that you can ask and submit questions in as well. But above and beyond, if you, you're having these questions, you're having these challenges, you're looking for somebody to work with, reach out to us at Dust Safety Science or Dust Safety Professionals. We're happy to get you running and going with your combustible dust challenges. So I hope everyone has a safe and productive week ahead out there. Um, I appreciate everything you're doing for industries handling combustible dust. And I appreciate you listening to the podcast week in, week out, and improving combustible dust safety across the globe. 